as ever. Do keep that open. And please, uh, if you, there's a talk notes as well um, to show you where we're going, if you'd like to take some notes, let's pray. Father God, we uh, trust you, as already been said and prayed, we trust your timing and your providence. I know this sermon, in my mind, would have come at a different time, uh, yet we, we submit to you and we trust that you have great words for us. Please teach us as we look at them now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I found this a really hard sermon to prepare. A really hard sermon to prepare. And it only got harder at one minute past five on Friday when we found out that we hadn't had an answer from the building. And so the occasion has changed. But we, uh, by then it's too late, so we're going to keep going for this week. I say trust in God's timing in that. But I found it hard. You know, one sermon to encourage us as a church in our mission as a church. What do you pick? Well, the Bible. What do you pick? Thought about going to the Great Commission, uh, you know, where we really get our, our motto as a church, where we see the commission that the Lord Jesus gave every single Christian believer through all time to make disciples of all nations. That would have been a, a good place to go. I thought about that. Thought about going back to Philippians. We looked at fairly soon after my arrival, striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. That could have been a good one. thought about going back to, to Acts, looking at the early church and seeing uh, what their mission was. Uh, all these things. And eventually I thought, I've just got to pick something. But in the end, I decided, well, I'm going to assume, and I know that is a dangerous thing to do, but I'm going to assume that if you're here at Lionsdown Church and you consider it to be your church, you at least know that we see our mission as a church to be bringing glory to God as we faithfully seek to reach those around us with the gospel. I hope you agree with that, but even if you don't agree with that, I hope you at least understand that that is what we are about. Seeking to bring glory to God as we faithfully seek to share the gospel with those around us. So that's what we are about. And in the end, I said, I don't want to focus so much on the what, but on the how. How is it that we can do that? And it has nothing to do with a building. It has nothing to do with a building. That's why I wanted to preach this on the building Sunday. It has nothing ultimately to do with a building. What we see in our passage today is, a true, is true of a church with their own building or if they don't have their own building. It is true of a church that is a, a brand new church plant. It's true of a church that has been established for 200 years. It's, it's true of a church of 20 people. It's true of a, a church of 2,000. It's true of a, a church in the North London suburb or kind of most rural Cornwall, somewhere like that. It's true of a church 2,000 years ago. It's true of a church today. How do we reach those around us? Well, what must be our two foundations that are going to help us as a church fulfill our mission? I summarize it like this. These words are not my own, uh, but I summarize it like this. Talk to God about people. Talk to people about God. Simple. How do we reach those around us? We talk to God about people. We talk to people about God. Before we get that, though, I, I do realise we're jumping in fairly near the end of Colossians. Um, so just to kind of catch us up where the book's gone, 
Uh, just before we get that, so sometimes I'm really glad Henry didn't do it because I didn't remind him. But sometimes we remind our readers not to read the, the bits in bold. See, the bits in bold aren't the Bible. That's the, the ESV editors who put in a heading. Sometimes they're very helpful. Sometimes they're not. And there has never been such an occasion to be less helpful than our heading today. Further instructions. Uh, we don't quite know what it's doing here. Uh, further instructions. No, actually, what we see in these first verses of Colossians 4 are the continuation of a very tightly thought-out argument that Paul is making. So Colossians chapter 1, chapter 2 is all about magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. The fullness of God dwells in him. And Paul is assuring the Christians that, uh, in Colossae that they should keep trusting in Jesus and him alone. In him, they too have the fullness of God. And in chapter 3, Paul starts to show the implications of that, of their relationship with the Lord Jesus. And he does so in various areas of life. Uh, we haven't really got time to go through massively, but chapter 3, verses 1 to 7 particularly, he is focusing on you, Christian, you and Christ. Your relationship to Christ. Then in, chapter, then in verse 8 to 17, he moves from you and Christ to you and Christians. How we ought to relate to and behave with one another. Then in verse 18, it's you and family. 18 to 21, you and family. Chapter 3, verse 22 to 4, verse 1, it's you at work. Whether you're the boss or the slave. The, the, the two extremes. Paul is showing the implications of your relationship with Jesus in all these spheres of life. And then in our verses, it's you and outsiders. Okay, so it's you and outsiders. You, individual as a Christian, you as a church, and those outsides. Now, I use the word outsiders because that's the word that Paul uses in verse 5. We kind of have it with a bit negative connotations, don't we? Outsiders, they're kind of like, keep them out there. But that's not kind of how Paul's using it, and not how I'm using it. Okay, Paul, actually, the opposite. These aren't people to be looked down upon or, or feared or avoided. No, rather, they are people to be loved and reached. But anyway, you can see how Paul's working through these different areas of life. How can we reach outsiders? Talk to God about people. Talk to people about God. Now, if you were to pick two topics which is most likely to make a Christian feel guilty, it is prayer and evangelism. Prayer and evangelism. No topic has the ability to make us feel guilty like those. That is not our intention today. Our intention is not to make you guilty about what you're not doing. Rather, it's to encourage and inspire us to see what doing these foundational things, actually what impact that wonderfully might have. So, first point, talk to God about people. Have a look at verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. There you go. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly has this idea of persistence. Keep going. But it's not a, a mindless, repetitious persistence. 
So this isn't the kind of um, continuance, the persistence. You know, you, you clock in at the end, at the beginning of the day. You do you, you mean your job again and again and again and again and again. You clock out. Actually, the, the idea carries a sense of passion, of earnestness. Again, the NIV translates it, devote yourselves to prayer. I think that helpfully caps some of that, that passion behind it. You know, today, if we were to say somebody is devoted to their craft, I think, you know, that, that person loves it, treasures it. They work hard, they keep at it. That's what Paul's saying here. Continue steadfastly. Be devoted to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. How? Well, Paul explains a little bit still in verse 2. Firstly, being watchful in it. Being watchful. Be, be awake. Be alert to what is going on around us. I think he's saying, look, keep your eyes out. See what's going on so that you know what to pray for. Informed prayer is far more likely to be personal and purposeful. For example, that's why in each of our prayer slots as a church family, we always ask our prayer partners to give us points. We didn't need to. We could pray generally, couldn't we? Sometimes we do if they don't get back to us. But, you know, but, but we want to know what it is that we can pray for them. In your prayer lives, praying for the church, what, what should you pray for the church? Listen to church family news. That'd be a great thing. You know, what should I pray? Well, what's coming up? What are some of the events I could pray for? Amongst many other things. You know, next time that you're, you're waiting for a friend, rather than going onto your phone to check BBC Sport, which is me, or whatever it is you might turn to, just, just stop, look around. See the world that you're living in. See the people around you. Hear the conversations that are going on. Be alert, be awake, so that you know what to pray for. Secondly, the, 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 this devotion to prayer is with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is so, so key for pre present, preventing our prayers from becoming monotonous repetition, a, a list of requests. Stop for a second. Think, reflect. Think of the ways that he's answered your prayers. Think of the, the, the times where you've seen God mightily at work. Give thanks for them which again encourages us and motivates, motivates us to keep praying. Paul starts off. Okay, how is it we reach outsiders? How is it we have an impact in the area that we live? Devote yourselves to prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. And then moving on into verse 3, that, that uh, you see where he says, at the same time. That's the ESV's way of, of trying to show the connection between verse 2 and 3. You know, sometimes like, well, what should I pray for again? You know, what do I pray for? Well, well, Paul is linking this. In this devotion to prayer, steadfastness to prayer, he's saying that at the same time, in this prayers, this is what you can pray. Have a look, verse 3. At the same time, in those prayers, pray for us. That's Paul and his missionary team. Pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Paul says, look, pray for us. And he, he says, pray for three connected things. You, you saw them there. Pray for an open door to speak of Christ with clarity. 
Pray for an open door to speak of Christ with clarity. First off, pray for an open door. Pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word. In Paul's mind, in Paul's language, when he says an open door, he's thinking of God's providence, God's sovereignty in directing events of a life. Uh, And he says, look, pray that that God would sovereignly work to give us an open door for the word. Now, for Paul, at that time, he might quite literally have meant an open door. Did you see where preaching Christ had got him? On account of which I am in prison. Paul's in prison, so he may be saying, look, would there be an open door? Would I get out of prison so that I could continue to preach and have opportunities? I'm sure Paul meant, and we can see from elsewhere in his writings, you know what, no, if he's there in prison, pray for an open door with the prison guards. Pray for an open door with the, um, my fellow prisoners. Or pray that I would get out and be able to continue. He's praying for opportunities. Wherever he ends up, in, pray, in prison or free, would there be open doors for the words? So praying for open doors to speak of Christ. He goes on in verse 3 uh, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. The, the mystery of Christ. The, the mis- a mystery in the Bible isn't something we, we, don't, we, we don't know or is so complicated. It's just something that was hidden that humanity would never get by ourselves unless God revealed it. And if you think about the gospel, what a mystery that is. That God would come in the person of Jesus. The fullness of God would come in the person of Jesus. That the one who created all things and sustains all things by his powerful word would, would, would come as a baby and live a life and this amazing, mighty, powerful God would then die to save a people, the sinless one dying for sins. And yet death wasn't the end, but yet he would rise again in glory and triumph. You know, who could, who could have fathomed that by themselves? That's the mystery of Christ. And that's what Paul prays that he would have an opportunity, these open doors to preach Christ. And finally, with clarity, verse 4, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. That as he explains this mystery, that he would do so clearly, in an understandable way, in a way that people can get what great things to be praying. What great things to be praying steadfastly for. And for us, as Christians, as a family of Christians, as a church, continue steadfastly in prayer. If we are going to reach those around us, if we're going to have an impact on the community in which we live, the starting point is to talk to God about people to be steadfast in prayer, devoted in prayer. And what wonderful things that Paul has encouraged us to pray for. Pray for open doors for yourself. Pray for open doors with with colleagues, with family members, with neighbours. Pray for open doors for us as a church, maybe in a school, in nursing homes, Wonderfully, God seems to have opened a door again because we're going to start um, in April going back into them and doing little services. Maybe a people group. Borough of Barnet is one of the most multicultural areas in the, uh, multicultural boroughs in, in London, and yet there are people groups that, that aren't yet represented here. 
as wonderful as diversity is, but there are people that aren't. Maybe there'd be an open door with a people group. Pray for us as a church that we would have open doors, that we would preach Christ, that we would proclaim him. And that uh, we would do so clearly and be devoted to it. I know that you, many of you have been praying for loved ones for years and years and years and years and years. Keep going. Continue steadfastly in your prayers for your loved ones for years and years and years. And why do we need to pray? Why, why does prayer come first? And I think that's significant. Why is it taught to God about people first? If you just glance your eyes back across to chapter 1, verse 21, you'll see Paul's description of what they, the Colossians, were like before they came to Christ. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death. But, but that's what we, they once were. That's who we're trying to reach. Those who, who are alienated to God and indeed hostile towards him. That's why we've got to pray. And that's why even the Apostle Paul asked for prayer for his work. See, Paul acknowledged that prayer makes all the difference in communicating the gospel to people. And again, I... This has caused me to think of us as a church in our time together. If you're to, to add up all the time that we spend together as a church, add up all the time on a Sunday morning, all the time particularly on a Wednesday night, and some of the other midweek activities too, how much, what, what percentage of that time is spent praying? I don't know, I actually didn't do it, but not much, not much. I wonder if it's something that we need to think of and address as a church. But again, you and your prayer lives, how much of your, your prayer lives, personal prayer lives, are about me and mine? But that's our natural instinct, and it is good and it is right to pray for them. I'm not saying don't pray for them. But here we have that reminder. Pray for those outside. Pray that we would have open doors. Pray that we would be able to speak of Christ clearly. Pray for the evangelistic events coming up where we seek to invite people in to come and hear uh, the good news for themselves. They come to hear that mystery of Christ. Pray. Think, who would you like most in the world, who would you like most in the world to be sat next to you in a new building? So say we get this building in a year's time, whatever, we're, we're sat there. Who would you most like to be sat there alongside you Pray for them. Pray for them. That's the starting point. Church starts its mission in prayer. I think sometimes we can perhaps think, look, pray for the professionals and let them go at it. Yeah, pray for Rich, pray for Mark, pray for Charlotte, pray for Sarah. Pray. <laughs> Good laughter. I'm glad you're laughing. No, you shouldn't do that. No, no, it's not just actually let's pray for others that they go and do the work. And Paul now fixes his attention on the people themselves and shows how they are part of this too. As we come to our second point, talk to people about God. 
So Paul turns to the Colossians themselves, their witness. And he prays, he says that they need two things, wisdom and boldness. Wisdom and boldness. And sadly, these things don't always go hand in hand. But that's what Paul's praying for. Have a look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Stop there. The, the, the wisdom in the Bible is a big concept, therefore it's quite hard to define in, in, a, in a narrow sense. But if I give it a go, it's, it's knowing and doing the right thing before God. Knowing what is the right thing to do, but also then in practice actually doing it. Doing the right thing before God. But here in this context, it's walking wisdom to outsiders. So specifically having wisdom in how we relate to those outside, outside the church. I think it carries the idea of, of, of consistent behaviour. Living in a way that backs up what we're saying. Living in a way that highlights and magnifies the Lord Jesus. That shows our love for him and his love for us. It was also having wisdom to, to know how to relate to that individual in, in that individual situation. You know, in this conversation, uh, perhaps as this colleague shares to me a, a real struggle they're going through, what should I do? What should I say? How much should I say? A great starting point is just saying, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you about that? It's maybe a wise first step. Be wise, but also don't be cowardly. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Those words, best use, is, is language from a marketplace. It's kind of snapping up an offer. I am a terrible sucker for deals. I am a terrible sucker for deals. Amy and I, we got free tickets uh, to the Ideal Home Show a few, a few years ago. And we walk around the Ideal Home Show, it's quite fun. Uh, and there's this guy... It's quite sad even as I'm saying it. Um, he was selling absorbent cloths, like cloths that suck up water. And he did this demonstration and he said, first five people, give me a tenner, give me a tenner, get it for £10 rather than £30 or whatever. I had the £10 out of my wallet before he'd even finished the sentence. I was like, there, there. And of course, anyone who wanted it for a tenner could have got it. But I snapped it up. And that's kind of what Paul's saying here. Snap up the opportunities. When you see a good deal, you take it. When you see an opportunity, take it. Have that same energy, that, that same courage, rather than taking the cowardly way out. When there's an opportunity, go for it. Make time count for gospel purposes. Because if, again, if we're real, probably for most of us, it, it isn't that we don't have opportunities, it's just that we don't take them. We pray for open doors, and we take it. We take that opportunity. You know, for the invites, for the events coming up, don't say somebody's no for them. Now, that they wouldn't be interested. Well, let them say their own no. If they say their own no, of course, that's fine. Don't say the no for them. Invite them along. Say, hey, would you like to come to this? We'll have a really nice, lovely meal. And you get an opportunity to hear why I'm a Christian or what I believe. Would you be interested? People love to actually to be invited to things. Don't say someone's no for them. And in conversations in the office place, actually it's remarkable how often there'll be a topic that actually there's a very natural, 
natural opportunity to speak of Jesus. And actually, what a wonderful and powerful thing this is. We might not, as a church, reach hundreds of thousands of people. No, but we could reach more than we think we could as we take those little opportunities. Again, it's not flashy, but it's powerful. Whether we have a building or not, it's a thrilling, actually. It's actually a thrilling way, I think, to look at life. You go into work tomorrow morning rather than going, Monday morning, how many emails am I going to have? All these meetings lined up. Actually going, ooh, I'm going to pray for more opportunities and pray for open doors today. I'm looking for those bargains. So I can snap them up. Not bargains. But I'm looking for those opportunities. There'll be a natural opportunity to speak of Jesus. It brings a different atmosphere to your mindset tomorrow morning, doesn't it? But verse 6 shows that the priority, again, here is, is speech. It's not just on life, it's particularly speech. Verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Speech, and there are three aspects of it. Firstly, let your speech always be gracious. Be gracious. Now, that could be talking about the content, i.e. we talk about God's grace. That's a possibility. I think it's more likely it's the how you speak, the manner in which you speak. Because it's not just what we say that is important, but it's how you say it. You know, that to be true. So if Amy, I'm sorry. Amy, I love you. Yeah, you know, how you say things, sorry if I made you jump, how I say things matters, how we say things matters. How we speak of Jesus matters. Be full of grace. Be gracious in the way we say things. And if they respond in provocative or nasty way, don't bite back. Be gracious. Be gracious, first of all. Secondly, be salty seasoned with salt. That here, salt can be, was used in a number of ways. Here, I'm pretty sure it's saying that say something worthwhile. Say something that is Moorish. You know uh, Pringles? Once you pop, you can't stop. Or whatever. Salty, what, why is that? Salty snacks, you want to keep eating them, don't you? You have some and you, you want some more, you want some more. And I think that's the idea here. In your conversations, may they be salty, may they be interesting. And you know what? If you want to be interesting, you can't really go wrong talking about Jesus. Don't get into debates over carbon dating and evolution or whatever. That, that's not salty talk. I mean, it might be a time people have genuine questions, but speak of Christ. That's who we were called, who Paul wants to pray for. Speak of Christ, how wonderful Savior he is. I think it has a thing about variety as well. You know, it's great to have in our minds gospel frameworks or things like that to get the, the main kind of content in. But actually, the gospel speaks to all areas of life. And you think, like, how can I be prepared? How can I be ready to have this salty speech? Well, I think the simple answer is that spend time in the Bible each day yourself. Have the gospel tasting good to you. As it tastes good to you, you'll be able to show have that, that salty talk, as it were, to others. So it should be gracious, it should be salty, and, and thirdly, it should be tailored to the individual. You see, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 
Each person is different. Each situation is different. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus is the same. And yet, so how do we bring that same gospel to these different people in different situations? Well, again, have that variety. We need wisdom to know, if I can push the illustration a bit too far, but to how to serve that meal to them, how to season it. What questions are your friends asking? And I don't just mean about the Bible, but in life. All the world events are causing questions in mind. Security um, is, is a huge one. Wanting something reliable to base their life on, something that will last. But what questions and issues are your friends and family grappling with? Again, how does Jesus speak into those different situations? Talk to God about people. Talk to people about God. And then verse 6 finishes with a full stop. We leave the rest to God. Sometimes there's going to be change and fruits. Some people are going to be really interested. They're going to come and ask more. Some people are going to come and hear Lord Jesus and be saved. It's full stop. I don't think it's quite a full stop. I think it's a loop. You get back to verse 1. Uh, not verse 1, verse 2. Speak to people about God. Keep praying for them. Keep seeking to speak to them. Brothers and sisters, how do we reach our area? How do we reach outsiders? We talk to God about people. We talk to people about God. And as I, I hinted at, I think it is significant that prayer comes first. That's the starting point of all this. And that's a helpful for a reminder for us as a church and us individually. Continue steadfastly in prayer. If we're going to see any work, any fruit, it is because the Lord works it. And what we've seen today is true. Whatever happens with the building, whatever happens with the building that we made an offer on, or any subsequent building, or whether we're we're moving into a great, lovely, new permanent home for us in just over a year's time, or whether we're finding somewhere to rent and go, and it doesn't really matter. This is how we are going to reach our area. Speak to people about God. Speak to God about people. Speak to people about God. Now, we think a building has a great part to play in that. But it's not the significant thing. These are the two foundational things. This is how we're going to reach our area. And you know what? We don't have to wait for a year's time for a building. We can do this today. We can do this tomorrow. Speak to God about people. Speak to people about God. Let's pray and do that now. Our Father God, we thank you that in one sense it's very easy. We can trust you to be the one who does the work. Please would we do that, not just in theory, but in practice. That individually for those, for loved ones who are on our minds, that we be steadfast in prayer for them. For us as a church, would we be faithful and devoted to prayer? Not just for ourselves and our building and, our, and all those things, but actually for those around us. We long that others two who are alienated and hostile will be reconciled through the Lord Jesus. Please, Father, do that work through us as a church. And Father, please give us that wisdom and boldness to make the most of every opportunity that we have. For the glory of the Lord Jesus and him alone. Amen.